Good morning. So a couple of days ago, the president uh, called for a day of prayer, which we're going to uh, honor that shortly. So be thinking about what you might like to pray. We'll have the microphone right here set up. Um, but I'd like to say a few words first before we do that. Uh, consider this kind of a part two to last week's sermon. Last week was on the steadfastness of hope. And so I want to look back at that because I think it's apropos to the situation that our nation currently finds itself in. So 1 Thessalonians 3, a few weeks ago we looked at uh, this verse and we've continued to look at it where it says, Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And really what I want to focus on is those last few words when it says, in our Lord Jesus Christ. Because we have to remember that all three of those things are anchored in Christ. So we, we can have uh, a labor of love, a work of faith, steadfastness of hope, but if they're not anchored in the right place, it's not going to do us any good. So it's going to be a false hope, a false love, a false faith that will prove pointless. So it's got to be anchored in Christ. So when we talk about hope and placing it in Christ, um, we want to make sure we're walking it out, that it affects our hearts, that it affects our minds, and that we give, what I like to say, we give action to our words. Action to our words, because talk is cheap. We can all talk a good game. Uh, but we got to walk it out, whatever we're saying. If we're true believers, we want to walk out our faith. It's no coincidence that I preach on hope last week, and then within that week, uh, it's almost like our nation woke up to what the rest of the world's been dealing with regarding the coronavirus, and there's all sorts of, of turmoil in our nation. And friends, let me tell you something. If you put your hope in government you'll be disappointed. And if you put your hope in the stock market, you'll be disappointed. Like, I don't even know if you guys watched it or looked at it, but like the stock market was going crazy. The biggest drop, one day drop since the great stock market crash in 1987, that's like 33 years ago. If you put your hope in your boyfriend, in your girlfriend, you're gonna be disappointed. You put your hope in your husband or wife, you're going to be disappointed. All of those things and all those people will fail you at some point. Think about that. They're going to fail you. They're going to fall short. And whatever you're trying to get from them, uh, you might get it in some form or fashion for a short period of time, but, but it's going to let you down. And when I'm talking about hope, I'm saying giving a person or a thing in your life a position that it doesn't deserve. Putting it on a pedestal of something that it, where it shouldn't be. So you're putting your hope in something or someone. A lot of times what happens is you've elevated them to a place or you've elevated that thing to a place it doesn't deserve. That's called what? It's an idol, right? That's an idol. All of these things and, and all, these, all these people, God gives them to us for our blessing, for our encouragement. But any blessing that he gives us, keep this in mind, that any blessing that he gives us, we can turn 
into sinful things. We can turn it into an idol. So God blesses us with things. He blesses us with a spouse, right? We can end up idolizing that spouse. God blesses us with uh, an amazing job that gives us all these great benefits, you know, pads our bank account. We can end up idolizing that. We can end up turning our, our God into money, right? Well, one of the things I want us to remember is, you know what it says in Psalm chapter 40? It's just three simple words. Hope in God. Hope in God. Psalm chapter 40. <clears throat> if, if your hope is in man or any of man's devices or any part of God's creation, you're going to be disappointed. And one of the things that I want for our church is to flourish. Right? Flourish as disciples. And I believe what's happening in our nation, I want you to think about this. I believe what's happening in our nation is an opportunity for us to actually flourish as disciples. Whenever God brings tribulation or trial, affliction, testing, persecution, it is an opportunity, one, for the church to be the church. Okay, The church has failed in the past on different occasions. This is an opportunity that we'll be able to look back and see how the church responded to what's going on in our nation right now. We'll also be able to look back and see how did this church respond. So it's an opportunity for us to learn, to grow, to flourish. I want us to, as individuals, I want us to flourish. But also as a church, I want us to flourish. And guess what? Let me think about this for a second, guys. Can a church flourish if the individuals in the church aren't flourishing? I mean, seriously. I mean, it'd be, it wouldn't really make sense for the church to flourish. Why? Because at the end of the day, we are the church. So I want us individually to flourish, and I want the church to flourish. Now, <clears throat> those things go hand in hand. I also want our community to flourish. I mean, there's a reason we're going out, putting door hangers on people's doors and letting them know that we pray for them. I mean, I want my community to flourish. Jeremiah 29, I want you to look at this. Jeremiah 29, I want you to see something. This is Jeremiah. He's, he writes a letter to the exiles. They've been dragged off to Babylon, and I want you to see what he says in verse 7. He says, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. I mean, here, they've been dragged off <clears throat> to Babylon. They're in exile. They, they, they didn't go of their own accord. And yet, God is commanding them to pray for the welfare of the city. And, friends, a lot of times we, just, we think so small, and we see things so small, and we start to think like, oh, what can I do, or what is my influence? That's such small petty thinking that really goes against the big God that we serve. Think about that. You can be an influencer. You can be a difference maker with whatever sphere God's given you. Some, God, some people have you know, smaller spheres. Some people have larger spheres. Some people have really large spheres. But God's given each person here a sphere of influence. And a lot of times you're like, oh, my, my, you know, I, just, I just got this little tiny dot or something like that. that. No, that's a low view of God in my opinion. 
Like if you're in contact with people, if you're interacting with people, God's given you a pretty big sphere of influence that he wants you to use to influence others for his glory. We have an opportunity to shape the culture. You know, situations like this that we're dealing with with the coronavirus, it actually requires local communities to step up and lead. So you got, you know, the news is going out, oh, the St. Charles County is doing this, St. Louis County is doing this. It's really coming down, interestingly enough, to local governments having to make decisions for their people. Here's what one person said. It is almost impossible for coercive authority to increase people's capacity for love and service to others. All right, listen to that again. It is almost impossible for coercive authority to increase people's capacity for love and service to others. I mean, you, so what it's saying is, is the government can't coerce loving acts of service. I mean, it can set up all sorts of things. It can quarantine this thing. It can put limits on meetings, <clears throat> which it should. It's there to protect, but it can't coerce loving acts of service. It can't really do that. At some point, it's going to rely on its citizens to help out because they really want to help, because they want to love their neighbor as themselves. And the issue we have really is a love your neighbor as yourself. We're always going to have a reason to to run. We're always going to have a reason to hide. We're always going to have a reason to get away. But listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 25. He said, I was sick and you visited me. Now, when was Jesus sick? We don't have any record of that. No, that, that, that story that he's telling is saying, as you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me. That, that's the correlation going on. Yeah, the point is, as you do it to those that are the least of these, you've done it unto Jesus. We can't escape these words and we can't ignore them. It's easy to do both those things, escape them and ignore them. Send people off to the hospitals, let the doctors care for them, which they should be done. But friends, if if we can't handle a little virus like this, that's mortality rate is what appears to be about 4% or something like that. Um, If we can't flourish as disciples, if we can't be the church in a situation like this, how can we ever expect to be the church? In uncertain times, it's time for the church to step up and show certainty, not in ourselves, but in Jesus Christ. So when we're talking about hope in Christ, you know, people need to see it. People really need to see the hope that we have. We hear this word. I didn't even know this was like a little term or something, social distancing. You guys heard that like in the past week or a couple weeks? Social distancing, right? It's like the idea of staying away from crowds and people's personal space. Some of you do that already. Okay. Part of the idea is just being wise with your interactions, right? So less physical contact, which really means no physical contact, and more physical distance between one another, you know, and some other things. Oh, why are people being so concerned about things? One of the reasons is because of the potential to, to um, overwhelm our healthcare system, which really makes sense when you start to think about it. Italy is the prime example. Northern Italy, where the breakout's going, is pretty much comparable to right here in O'Fallon. They're utterly overwhelmed right now. 
And one report said this, doctors in northern Italy report this week that they are resorting to wartime style triage. Simply not treating many who come to the hospital because they are too sick. This also means that people with ordinary medical issues, including critical ones not related to the virus, may not receive even the most basic care. You know what St. Louis did when the Spanish flu hit it back in the early 1900s? You guys know what they did? They immediately shut everything down. Boom. Almost day one, as the first, first few cases showed up, they shut down public stuff. Philadelphia, on the other hand, waited. They even let like a little parade, go, actually kind of a big parade go on. When you compare the results of the death, death rates between St. Louis and Philadelphia, Philadelphia had about twice as high. Just simply by St. Louis acting a little bit quicker, they were able to keep things uh, a little bit under wraps and, and help take some precautions to cr- try to help those things. This past week, I'd say two of my two of my my, my most two favorite events. Let's put it like that. Uh, got canceled. First was uh, the national homeschool basketball um, competition that my two older boys have participated in the last few years. They, it's just it's normally just in Springfield. It's not like we're flying across the country, but it's in Springfield, Missouri. They canceled that. You know, months and months and months and months of preparation for this national championship competition. It's, Canceled it just like that. My other favorite thing, if you know me, is March Madness. Right? They, they can't, well, they, at this point, they've just canceled everything, right? NHL, NBA, all that stuff is either canceled or paused. <clears throat> I, I keep waiting to turn on ESPN. I don't know if you guys remember, like, back in the day, some of you people that are my age and older, like, TV wasn't on 24-7. Like, there's actually a time you could turn the channel on, and it'd just be like a blank screen, Right? Like those solid vertical color strips. You guys remember that? Black and white. <clears throat> Black and white. <laughs> that, that's, yeah, that's true. That's even going back further. <laughs> I keep, yep, with the little, little noise going on. Little noise like that. That's just monotone noise. I keep turning it on to ESPN, like expecting to see that. It's like there's like no sports going on, right? They're getting desperate. I think they got like a national championship of tiddlywinks later this afternoon, okay? I mean, it's, it's pretty bad. But think about that. Like, it's interesting. Like, what are people going to do in a world without sports? Now, some of you are like, oh, I'm just going to keep going on living because I, I, I don't even care about that stuff, okay? But a good percentage of our population, like, has a vested interest in, in various sports. I saw this meme the other day. I have to share it. It just said, day two without sports. Found a lady sitting on my couch. Apparently, she's my wife. <laughs> she seems nice. <clears throat> because people get wrapped, can get wrapped up in all sorts of things, and some people are wrapped up in sports, right? I mean, like, their, their life revolves around different sports. You go from... Uh, we're wrapping up college basketball, NBA's going on, now MLB's getting ready to start. We're in the midst of the NHL season, right, from one sport to another. You can pretty much have it 365, right, for about a two-week break in there, maybe. Um, I mean, what an opportunity for the Lord to use this to kind of get a hold of some people's ideas and opinions and thoughts about what they think about the world, kind of reshape their worldview. Like, what really does matter? 
Listen, I want to encourage us that we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be afraid. Second Timothy says this, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. That doesn't mean we don't take precautions, right? I lock my doors each night. Not because I'm afraid, but I think it's a good precaution to take. Some of the things we've even set up today, you know, with the offering and different things. I mean, we're not doing that because we're fearful. We think those are wise precautions to take. I think the government, as best it can, is trying to take precautions to help its citizens and protect them. You know, one of the things that distinguished early Christians, well, I'd say Christians for the last 2,000 years, is that whenever there was a plague or an outbreak, something similar to what we're facing, Christians rushed towards the catastrophic event, not away from it. So you can read accounts. There's even uh, an account during Martin Luther's time. There was an outbreak going on. He was actually being, I mean, he's like the leader of the Protestant Reformation, right? He's being encouraged to get out of the city. But he stays. And you can look even back to early Roman times, the church just in its infancy, a plague would break out. What would the believers do? They'd stay. They'd minister to the sick. They didn't even know to take the precautions that we know to take today. And yet they stayed, oftentimes knowing that they'd be laying down their life for people that weren't even believers. But guess what the result was? All them pagan priests, they'd they'd fled the city, right? And, And who's taking care of you? A believer. This guy who talks about this man who rose from the dead, who's God himself who came in the flesh. All those pagan priests are gone. What's left? The believers who've been feeding you, helping you, clothing you, caring for you. Well, who are you going to turn to for help? Who are you going to look to for hope? Who who are you going to trust in? That's a pretty strong statement. And believers for the last 2,000 years have done that time and time and time again. Some, some contribute that to a good portion of the growth of Christianity because they saw the strong faith that people trusted the Lord to take care of them. And even if he decided to let them perish, that they had a life to come, a much better one. So it's a good reminder for us, friends, to be, realize the sovereignty of God over you. He's sovereign. He's sovereign over the affairs of men in every single aspect. It's a good reminder of it. We can take comfort in that. It's also good to be reminded of the sovereignty of Christ over our church. Are we going to display that sovereignty to the outside world? We can, we can be right here, and we can sing the songs, and we can say the amens to the sermon all we want. That's awesome. We should. But, but the outside world doesn't really come in here. True? Right? Oh, you guys lost your amens? That's all right. Yeah. <clears throat> they don't usually come in here. We've got to take it to them. They have to see that. 
resoluteness of faith in Christ in the midst of times like this. They have to see that we trust Christ, that we know he's in charge and he will continue to be in charge. What we, the message we don't want to give our neighbors or friends or even other believers is, oh, it's all going to work out, it's all going to work out. Well, the 60 dead in the U.S. so far, it really hasn't worked out for them. Or the however many thousands dead worldwide. So we don't want to downplay the situation. It is a serious situation. They've labeled it a pandemic. We don't want to tell people to quit freaking out either. I mean, I think some people need to tone it down a bit. But that uncertainty is an opportunity for you to speak the truth of how you're handling the situation and what your hope is. And what we should be saying is, well, some of you, it's kind of like, this isn't about self-preservation. These things that they're talking about, and let me just put in a side note, you know, if some of these elected officials were barring only churches from meeting, then I'd have a problem with that. I'd have a serious problem with that. If they were barring churches from meeting because of our stance on homosexuality or because we are pro-life, I'd have a problem with that. We'd keep meeting. That's not the situation we're at now. They're trying to be wise and judicious in curtailing a public health crisis. And they're applying it across the board to um, all organizations and events. One of the things, I might touch on it later, but I'll just hit a side note now. We've got to remember Romans 13, which talks about us submitting to civil authorities, doesn't say uh, the adjective good civil authorities doesn't say when we like the rulings we meet uh, that they make. It says we submit to the civil authorities. If they're not contradicting the word of God, then we're supposed to willingly submit. So this isn't self-preservation. I know some of you aren't even concerned about yourself uh, catching it, but that's fine. Um, But what about if you found out that you had it, and you transmitted it to someone unwillingly or unknowingly. I mean, it is possible <clears throat> that someone right now in this room could be infected with it. We pray not. We hope not. Chance is pretty low, right? That's why we use wisdom when we take precautions. So a lot of what we're doing is an act of love towards others. Look at Philippians 2. Verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So it's an act of love to take precautions. It's an act of love to minister to people. It's an act of love to help them out wherever they find themselves. Listen, Jesus used opportunities of human tragedy to preach the gospel. Look at Luke 13. Verse 1 says, There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. 
So there is these two tragedies that occurred, this tower falling on people, and they're asking him about it. And what does Jesus do? Ultimately, he uses it to call people to think about where they're at with God, to think about where they're at in their with their soul before the Lord. So he used opportunities like this to point people back to the Father. We need to be looking for opportunities like that. We need to be praying for opportunities like that. We need to let our neighbors and coworkers know that if they get sick, you're going to help them out. I think we need to be willing to do that unless you fall into some of those categories that you need to be careful if you have a compromised immune system or if you're a bit older. But the vast majority of us here, that doesn't apply to. Are we going to be willing to do that, to drop off supplies, just leave them on the neighbor's porch if they get sick? I hope so. That's pretty easy. Your risk of infection is pretty low there. You need to let them know that if the tower falls, you're going to be there to help. That you'll be there to help. You know, I teach part-time at Trinity Christian Academy, and this week I'm going I'm to email all the parents of my students and just let them know if they end up getting sick, like they can, they can contact me, I'm going to help them out with whatever they need. If they need supplies, they need food, whatever, I can, I can do that. I can be inconvenienced a little bit to love people, to love my neighbor as myself. But we've got to let people know that before it happens. And you can use it as an opportunity with your coworkers when the topic comes up to try to steer that conversation towards what you believe. What's your hope right now? Where are you at with these things? Are you trusting in Christ regarding this issue? Some of us might be too flippant regarding it. But I believe we will have an opportunity to serve our community. And we will have an opportunity to serve one another. Let's prepare our hearts to do so. I'd like for us to spend some time in prayer. Uh, Y'all believe in prayer? Okay. We're going to practice it today. And I believe corporate prayer is important. There's a reason... We meet once a month, we share a meal, we have a small teaching, and then we pray. There's a reason we put emphasis on it, and we want to continue to put emphasis on it. Corporate prayer. I hope you guys are praying privately. But corporate prayer. Psalm 40, verse 1 says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. And I was meeting the other night with a handful of the members Uh, We discussed a variety of things, but one of the main things we talked about for a bit was prayer. We talked about corporate prayer. I don't believe it's a coincidence. We talked about corporate prayer, and then literally the next day, the president comes out with a proclamation calling for a national day of prayer. I think we have an opportunity to put to practice what we were just talking about. So I think we need to pray for God's mercy on our nation and this world. We need to pray for God to use this to give us gospel opportunities. We need to pray that we would have hearts to love and serve other people. We need to pray that we will sacrifice our own time and self-interests to serve and help other people, to put their interests 
above our own. We need to pray for his mercy on this nation. It could turn into an outbreak quite easily. I've got people that I know that I care about that if they ended up uh, with this virus, there's a good chance they probably would not make it because of the current state of their health. You probably do too. So you might not be concerned about yourself, but I hope you're concerned about other people that you know and that you're willing to help them and take precautions, not for your sake, for their sake. So I want us to pray. And the other thing I want us to pray, friends, let's pray like God uses this to wake up our nation and to wake up our churches. Like, wouldn't it be beautiful to see revival come from this? A lot of people, I know a lot of us, God's been gracious. You guys are mature in the faith. You got to put yourself in the shoes of the unbeliever right now. What are they thinking? The stock market's crashing. There's uncertainty. They're canceling international flights. There's talk of domestic flights. I mean, there's uncertainty. So put yourself in their shoes. And what are they thinking? What thoughts are going around in them? And then how can God use this in their life? Let's pray for revival, friends. Wouldn't that be amazing? God loves to take what's meant for bad and use it for good. Think of Joseph. That was his words to his brothers, right? What you meant for evil, God used it for good. God loves to take the bad and turn it around and get glory out of it. He loves to take the bad and turn it around and use it for good things. God wants people to come to know him. Amen. He wants people saved. He wants people trusting in him. Let's pray to that end. Let's come before him and beseech him and believe that what we pray, he will hear. Amen. So I'm going to turn on the mic. You can come down and pray as you want. We'll pray for a bit. I'd like more than just like a couple people to come pray. Let's not talk about corporate prayer and saying, amen, we believe in corporate prayer, and then not participate in the corporate prayer, right? So I'm going to turn this on and um, come on down as you want. taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. Let's pray. Father God, we just come to you right now in the name of Jesus, Lord and God. You are sovereign and God, you're perfect in all your ways. And there is not anything, Lord, that takes place that has not been sifted through your almighty hands. And so, God, we know as your children that there is purpose in this and that you want to use it, God. Lord, I pray, God, that you will be merciful, Lord, to this nation, Lord, um, We know that we don't deserve anything good, God. Um, There are so many things that, uh, as a country, we have done that have um, 
not been good. And Lord, uh, we just we just pray for your mercy on us, God. We pray for hearts of repentance, God, to turn from their evil, God. Um, that these that that people who believe God in taking human life, God, is okay, God. It isn't. And and we know it isn't, God. And and so God, we cry out for them that they change their hearts, Lord, um, and turn toward you, God. Um, God, we pray for protection, Lord. Um over um, our families, our friends, but especially, God, over those who do not know you. We have hope. We don't have to fear God. Um, but but those who don't know you, they, they have no hope. And so, God, we cry out to you that you would use this, Lord, that hearts would turn to you, that they would not see... Um, that healthcare, that the healthcare system is their savior, God, but that only you are the one to turn to, God. And we ask for a revival. We ask that you use this, God. Bring many, many souls to salvation, God, through this. I pray this in Jesus' name. Lord, we uh, we come to you this morning, and Father, we just want to uh, we want to praise you for who you are. Father, we just praise you that, Lord, as we sang earlier today, that uh, we no longer have that sting of death, but that's been blunted some. Father, we thank you, uh, as Sandy said, that Lord, you're sovereign, and uh, Father, uh, none of this is taking you by surprise. But Father, you're well aware of what's going on, and Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy and the love that you've shown us. Father, I just come to you, and I pray for the uh, authorities in our country at the national, state, uh, county, local levels, Father. Uh, pray for the authorities in the school systems and, and in the uh, large uh, uh, employee, employers uh, in this area, Father. You just give them the wisdom to know uh, what to do in this time, God. Uh, Lord, it's a difficult, difficult decision. And uh, I, I know there's a lot that weighs on us, a lot uh, that weighs on uh, having people stay home. But, Father, I just pray for wisdom. I, I pray for cool heads to prevail. Father, I pray that, um, <clears throat> Lord, you would just blunt any sensationalism. But, Father, I just pray uh, for truth, God, that truth would come out and our leaders will hear truth and make uh, decisions based upon truth. Um, Lord, I just uh, pray for each one of us. I, I just thank you for the uh, charge that uh, uh, Mike has given us this morning, Father, to consider how we can use this to further the kingdom of Christ. And God, I pray that we would each take that to heart and uh, carefully look at ourselves, Father, and help us to see how we can minister to others, how we can be out there and uh, help others, Father. And, Lord, I pray for those in this congregation uh, who have family members who are in a high-risk category. I know there are parents, uh, there are others with health concerns, and, Father, I just pray for them. I pray for protection over them. I pray for protection over, uh, over those of us in this body, God, that you would just protect us from this, uh, this virus at this time. And, God, I just uh, pray also that uh, as, as Jesus 
said in the scripture Mike just read that, uh, Father, that we would be able to use this to point others to you. And, Father, to call for repentance. And, Father, I just pray for this country. I just confess the sins of this country. Um, Father, we're probably the most blessed country that's ever existed as far as natural resources and, and uh, abilities. And, and, and you just bless, bless us in so many ways. And, Father, we've squandered so much. And, Father, worse than that, we, uh, we have uh, followed, uh, followed after idolatry. And we made other things such as work and money and status and all these things our, our God. And, Father, I just confess in this country that, that we are not following you. And I confess that we are, are killing babies uh, by the thousands every day, God. And, Lord, I just pray that, Father, we just use all this in your sovereign grace and your sovereign will to bring this country back to you in some way, God. There could be a revival. Father, I pray... Uh, Revival will start, Father, in my heart and in the heart of each person in this room and in this church and in churches all across this nation. And, Father, that revival will just grow uh, across this nation. And, Father, help us once again uh, that the church is the light of the country and that we can point others to you. Father, we just thank you so much for uh, everything you've done for us. In your name we pray. Hi, God. I want to first thank you that we are still meeting as a congregation today um, because a lot of us need it. (laughs) And for the churches that closed, whether it's because their congregation are maybe mostly the high-risk category or they have congregation of thousands and they can't risk it, I still pray that the Holy Spirit visits their hearts and their homes so that they remember to still praise you with music and dance and worship and that they remain in the Bible, God, during this time where they can't meet together. Um, I also want to thank you for a time as modern as this one, where when we are told not to meet in large crowds or meet with other people, that we do have social media to still share your goodness, God. I know it it can be bad in a lot of ways, but I think now is a time where we can really use it to share with the world, especially in that in places like Italy that's shut down and now Spain that's about to be and possibly France, God, that when we share your word that all language barriers are broken, even if they have to hit that translate button, God, that they still get the gist of what we are trying to say and that I pray that each one of us are put in a situation where we have to love our neighbors. Um, I thank you for the sermon last week where Pastor Mike talked about how we need to go beyond just saying hi to our neighbors, but we have to love them on them with good deeds. God, that was perfect, and I thank you for bringing that word to him so that we could hear that, especially now, because a lot has happened since last Sunday. So whether it's our neighbor knocking on our door that needs a couple rolls of toilet paper or if they need that bottled water to use to make bottles for their babies, God, I just pray that we are given the opportunities and that it doesn't matter our age, even if we're teenagers, we can still love fellow teenagers or even we, you know, give our teenagers wisdom for even adults or our children, God, you know, we can learn a lot from our children on how pure it is to love you. So I pray that, you know, any age can be given the opportunity to share who you are and whether there is fear or insecurity that we may not be a mature enough believer, God, that you will just flow through our words and our actions as this is the perfect time to share who you are. Um, 
And this week I read an article that abortion's gone down significantly in Missouri, so I thank you for that. But um, it's starting to rise across the river in Illinois, so I pray that we watch that as well. And honestly, I thank you for a time where we can't meet together so that people don't want to go and get those abortions because they're afraid to go out in public, God. So I, I do thank you for that, <laughs> as hard as it is for some of us that love people in crowds. Um, and I pray that, as far as we know, for all of us in this congregation, that we are still in good health, and I pray that we stay in good health so we don't pass it to the people that we love that would be severely compromised if they got it. I pray for all those families and kids on vacation, on spring break, that you keep them safe and that there's no fear there either. Um, I, just, I just thank you so much that you have given us opportunities like this one where we can really rise up together. It doesn't matter if we are from different sects of Christianity, God, that we can join together and share the gospel with people and that we can love on people. And um, I just thank you so much for who you are and not filling our hearts with fear, but you are continuing to give us wisdom and the knowledge that we need for this time. So I thank you, God. Amen. Um, I'm actually going to pray. Um, it was actually on my heart this morning, um, and Mike mentioned it up there, but I'm actually going to pray Psalm 40 and then uh, pray over us here. Um, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards me. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burn offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I will come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have, conce- I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will preserve me. For evil has encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha, aha. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. Lord, I pray 
that we would put our hope and our trust in you, that we would know that you are our deliverer, you are our salvation. And God, I pray that we would not be quiet about that, that we would proclaim that to the nations, God. Proclaim it to the nations in this time, God, where there is so much fear, so much worry about what is going on, God, about about their future, about um, the potential of, of contracting this deadly um, virus, God. I pray that um, people would come to know you, Lord, that we would declare your name to them, God. God, that we would declare your deeds and your faithfulness in our lives to them, God. God, I thank you that you have blessed us Blessed us with good health. God blessed us with um, people who are able to gather together and and worship you together, God, and uh, be able to freely come together, God, and pray. Um, God, I pray that we would not lose sight of all the blessings you've given us, God, of all the things you have blessed us with, God, and you continue to bless us with, God, even in this time. God, I pray that we would not be afraid, that we would not be afraid of of this virus, God, but that we would go out and preach your gospel and be the gospel to those around us, God. God, I know that uh, many of us are not in a position where um, they come into contact with people who are sick on a daily basis. I pray for those of us who are, that we would not be afraid, God, that we would not be deterred, God, but that we would be um, open and willing to um, love on those people, to um, be with those people, God. I pray for um, the people who I'm surrounded with on a daily basis, God, who um, are with these people, God. I know some of them who are your children, God, and I pray that they would be faithful, that they would be um, strong and fearless in this time, God. Um, God, I just pray for this church, God, that we would answer your call and that we would not be afraid and that we would share your goodness and your good deeds to those around us, God. I thank you. Amen to Psalm 40. Um. Lord, I just, um, I thank you that you're here and that you're sovereign, that you're in the midst of our nation and of the world. And um, I just want to ask forgiveness, Lord, um, for the sins of our nation. Lord God, we have become a nation laden with iniquity. And so many walk around with open wounds and sores that just bleed And we walk in willful disobedience to the things that you have proclaimed to us. And we do it unabashedly and unashamedly. Lord, our president has called your people to turn to you in this time of trouble and pray. And so we here at Liberty, to honor our president, are here, God, praying to you. And I pray that you would hear the words of your people, the prayers of your people, Lord. And I pray that you would help our nation to repent of our sins, help our nation to turn to you, God. 
Just like Sandy prayed, we don't deserve it. We don't deserve for you to reach down and save us from the coronavirus. For all we know, it could be a judgment of some sort. And it would be a just judgment. And I'm not saying that that's what's going on, but we just, we're not sure. And Lord, I just pray that you would pour out your mercy on our nation, not just physically from the coronavirus, but also spiritually. That you would change our hearts and minds and bring them back to you. I pray, God, that your hand would be felt from the East Coast to the West, and that this would be the first of many calls to prayer from our president because of what you have done, Lord. I pray Let this call to prayer be answered in a big way by you that is felt in our country such that it makes every man and woman and child look not inward but upward and that we want to come and pray to you again and that we want to get into this Bible and figure out what it really says, Lord. God, I pray that you would make your presence known to the world. God, let a time of revival come on America Lord God, we reach up. We lift our hands up to you and we pray that you would come down and that you would move in a big, big way here. I pray this in Jesus' name. Father, I want to praise you and thank you for who you are, for your love for us, for your son who you gave, for our sins as a sacrifice, that we may be given your spirit, that we may know you and experience you, that you have called us to be your witnesses, to love you and to love our fellow man, to give us light and wisdom and knowledge. Father, I praise you and thank you for all that you've given to us and done in our lives. And Father, all that I see around me and going around me, Lord, Father, are you sifting us? Are you sifting the world? Father, are you calling all us out to examine our lives as these idols around us are dissolving before us? And where are we at in our relationship with you? Father, are you calling us to repent? Each one of us? Are we not where we need to be? Father, are you sending judgment unto the world because it needs to repent. Father, in your word, as you revealed it to John in the last book of what we call our Bible, you you send great judgments on the earth and angels come and the call is to repent. Father, is that what you are doing now in a way? and not just the world ourselves? Have we been too silent? 
too secretive in our own personal lives. And we've been talking about this, Lord, in discipleship in the gospel. Father, what are you calling for each one of us and myself as I say? Father, show me where I'm not, where, I'm, where I am and where I am not and where I need to be. Father, and I just, Father, and Lord, my heart is broken, not only for the coronavirus and the fear that it is bringing, but in a sense I tremble at that this could collapse the entire economic system of the world and send us into a depression that is beyond understanding. That these events, Lord, that could bring war with China or in the Middle East. I have a daughter that's in the middle of that place. And it is unraveling as it steps toward war. I remember the people of Sudan that I was with so many years ago for, for just a month. And now that entire nation's crops have been ravaged by a locust infestation that has ruined their entire agricultural system, not only in Sudan, but the nations around it, that even dwarfs what you did, Lord, in Egypt so long ago. Are you sifting them? Are you sifting us to call us to repentance? Are you calling us, Lord, is this a time where we really need to be bold for the gospel, for you, to reach out? That this may be judgment, but in the time of judgment is a time of opportunity to really speak your truth and to be bold and to be open for you and to step out of our comfort zone. The time may be short. Father, I don't know the answer to all these questions, Father. But Lord, help me to be faithful. Help me to understand that by your spirit, I can know and experience you directly. And you can speak to me and to be bold and to be open. Because you've come, called us to be overcomers because you have overcome the world. Father, through all of this, Father, I pray for each one of us because we are your hands and feet. We are your light in this world. How can people know if, how can they know if, if we don't go? How can they hear if they're not told? How can they understand if we don't bring understanding? Father, you called us to do that. Sift us, O oh Lord, as you are sifting the world. We may be called to repentance and to be the Christians that you have called us to be. To bring a world that's blind to open its eyes into the deceptions that the Satan has brought upon the world because Satan is deceiving the world as we speak today. Help us to be a voice and a light in all that's going on around us, Lord. Not to be overwhelmed and to conquer back, but to have a boldness like we've never had before. For our time is short. 
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you as a church to praise you because you're our God. Lord, I'm I'm thankful that we have elders here who uh, obeyed your word and said, as it says, don't forsake the gathering of the saints. We're gathered here today probably because we're small, so that's a blessing. Large congregations don't. So we're here together as your body here to lift up to you the situation. But Lord, in context, I heard many people here today pray. They prayed about the issue of abortion. That's near and dear to my heart as well. And while we have a virus that they say is, has a death rate of 4%, maybe a little more, maybe a little less, it depends on who you ask. Influenza has also been attacking those vulnerable as well. So we have viruses. Viruses are here. There's no maverick molecule in your creation. Your will is done every day. But Lord, we kill 3,000 or more babies a day just in this nation. Since 1980, Lord... One in three babies have been sacrificed. At least that's the statistics I hear. And Lord, maybe this should be a reminder that we need to be coming and pleading with you for the end of this. Some of us probably have. But Lord, help us be serious. We need to love our neighbors, whether they're next to us or in a womb. Lord, I've heard the prayers for revival today. And and Lord, that is your act. It's sovereign. But you've allowed your church to have some ability because you, as you gave the Great Commission, you said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been granted to you, Jesus. And then you tell us, therefore, go make disciples. Lord, I need to repent. I don't open my mouth when I should all the time. Lord, help me open my mouth. You've granted to your church the ability to be like the moon. The moon is just a dirty rock that reflects the sun. Allow your church to reflect Jesus into this world. And then the moon has the ability to to make the tides 
Will the tides of revival you think your church is able when it opens its mouth, when it's able to shine Jesus into this world, Lord? We pray that your revival would happen because of your work through the church. And Lord, I pray that you will work in the church and that we would open our mouths. And Lord, that you would grow your church. You've done such work in my heart. There's many people here that have been born again and you've done that work in their heart and a new creation is made inside of them. Lord, I pray that you will do that to our culture as we open our mouths for you. Lord, you are our refuge. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the mists of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, Selah. There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Lord, in Jesus' name I pray. Oh, Lord God. Um, thank you for the, the many hearts here today praying and revealing um, your hearts in different areas that we all need to hear, Lord God, to a collective, what you're trying to speak to us, Lord God. Lord, you... Um, you call us to show love. That was the greatest commandment, Lord God, is to, to show love to, to you and to our neighbors, Lord God. And we ask that um, you help us to do that. Without love, everything else is, is worthless. So we ask you to give us wisdom as we... Try to protect ourselves. Try to take uh, good actions to prevent um, any infections of ourselves and our families, but to not do so at, uh, at the risk of hindering showing your love 
to the, all those around us, Lord God. Help us to put that first and foremost. Um, give us wisdom to know how to do that right and um, to let it come from our hearts and that others would see you in all of that, Lord God. Work through us and let it not be of ourselves, but come from your heart and help us to be close to you and and to listen to your spirit as you prompt us to act and um, just be fully in tune with you and not hindered by anything. Help us to put our trust in you and uh, not be fear, fearful of anything, but be full of peace that only you can give. Pray that we continue to seek you for guidance, um, not just in the near term, but um, going forward, uh, that we just have a renewed um, depth of, of seeking you and, and showing your love to all those around us. Jesus' name I pray. He also brought me out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock. You carried your children away to Babylon to be slaves, to suffer, but you did not forget them. And you even told them to, to build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Father, um, the country we live in is more and more like Babylon or Sodom and Gomorrah. And we are here but sometimes we we um, we try to escape into the comforts of Babylon. And Father, I just come to you um, confessing that my prayer life has not been good this last year. That I've been cynical and bitter for prayers that I have prayed before were not answered in the way that I had hoped. And like a child, I immaturely was angry and bitter toward you, cynical of the power of prayer, cynical of the great God who does mighty wonders and works because I did not see him do small works that I had hoped for. So I confess to you my immaturity, my cynicism, my bitterness of heart. I pray that you would root it out and bring me back to a place of strength in you, not in me. And Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters who, like me, 
have found themselves to be bitter and cynical by the circumstances of their life that didn't work out the way that they wanted God to work in them, that you would use this call to prayer, that you would use this pandemic to bring them out of that horrible pit of the miry clay and that you would set those children who are struggling in their faith, set them upon the rock, bring them out of the Babylon that they have walked into, the Babylon of their own hearts, Revive them, Lord. There are children of yours who are silently suffering and struggling in their faith. And those children can, can just count up this virus to be one more thing that God isn't going to answer, one more thing that God is going to allow into their lives one more thing that the effects of it, even if they aren't ill, whether it's struggling in finances or jobs because their their jobs have decreased or, or, or just ended, they could either go the cynicism route or they could be established again. I recognize, Lord, that, that this establishing and setting their, their feet upon the rock is done by you, not by them pulling themselves up by their bootstraps, but done by you. And so we ask for your sovereign and powerful work. Forgive me, forgive us, Forgive your children who have, have drifted and wandered into the Babylon of their own hearts of cynicism and, and, and just bitterness about prayer. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus, our high priest, you sympathize. You sympathize with our weaknesses. And you know, Lord, that some of the strengths of, um, of us can easily become our weaknesses as well. And you sympathize with them. The weaknesses to fall into cynicism, to fall into anger, to fall into despair, to fall into fear fall into loneliness, to fall into faithlessness, 
You sympathize with all of those weaknesses because you yourself faced them. You were tempted by them. You know what it's like. And so you have a great heart of compassion on all of us who struggle. And I ask that this, that this virus would revive those who have drifted into Babylon. And that you would bring them out of the miry clay, the pit of their emotions that have gone amuck. That you would establish us, that you would draw us in an act of love and mercy and kindness to that throne of grace because we have a high priest who says, I know what it's like. I've been there. I know the feeble state of your human being because I was one. I am one. And may your love draw us to that throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Amen. Father, I ask that you would give the church more time. Hold back your judgment on this nation and give us the opportunity to preach the gospel more. God, give us those opportunities and let us be bold enough to take them. Give us a heart to pray for those opportunities and to walk through those open doors. God, if you have to wake us up with with this virus, Lord, then so be it. Let us be awakened from our slumber to be the salt and the light that you want us to be. I pray that our neighbors, our coworkers, our extended family would see the light in us, Lord. In order for them to do that, we got to shine it. So, Lord, let us shine the light. Let us sprinkle the salt and be the true children of God that you want us to be. Lord, we ask for your mercy on this nation. We ask, God, that you would be gracious to it. It doesn't deserve it at all. It deserves your hand of wrath. We ask for your hand of kindness, but for a longer season, Lord, that your word might go forth and those that you have already appointed, as Paul said, in each city would be claimed by your spirit for your own. So give us that time, Lord, and let us not, let us not tread water, but get serious about preaching the word. And Lord, bring them in your sovereignty and your grace to know you powerfully, that it'd be a real act of your spirit working. We want to see real fruit, Lord. We ask God We ask, Lord, that you would do that for your glory. And I do pray for those that are getting sick, that you would heal them quickly. We pray for your grace, even with the mortality rate being so high, that you would even lessen that. I pray that those that have the virus and are going to perish, Lord, would have an opportunity by your people to believe in you. You take them at all hours of the day, even the 11th hour. So be merciful as one act of your goodness and kindness to give them one more opportunity, Lord, to trust in you. I pray that you would use it even as people are on their deathbed to come to faith 
and repentance in your son, Lord. Better to perish now from a virus and be saved than to rot in hell forever. So use the virus, God, to bring people to know you even as they're breathing their last breaths. Be merciful to do that. Be merciful to heal others, God. Wipe away the virus from their bodies. Give us a love for our neighbors to serve them. To whatever you call us, Lord, even to the point of laying down our life, if you so call, that we'd be willing to do that just as you did it for us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice for us. Thank you for your victory over sin and death, that we have life because you have life and you are the life. We love you. Amen.